Please turn with me this morning uh, to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. It's good to see everyone out this morning, uh, maybe a wee bit down in numbers, but I suppose that is understandable with everything that's going on at the moment. But I'd just like to thank you for making the effort to come out today. However, we uh, do know that these uh, messages are going far beyond the four walls of this building. Thousands, and I mean thousands, are tuning in and listening to the messages, and so we are very grateful and thankful for that. Um, So we're going to turn to um, Matthew 2, and we're going to break into uh, the chapter here at the verse 13, Matthew chapter 2 and the verse 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted because they are not. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither, notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream. He turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And he came and he dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called and Nazarene. And we'll end our reading there, and we'll bow again in a short word of prayer. Our Father, we thank Thee this morning that we are found out in Thy house, and uh, we thank You, Lord, for the desire in our hearts to be here this morning. We thank You, Lord, for Your hand upon this fellowship uh, over this past year. Notwithstanding, we know, Lord, that there has been many changes that have taken place even within the families belonging and associated with this fellowship. And we're mindful, Lord, this morning of those that are left today with an empty chair around the table. And we are very mindful this morning, Lord, of our brother John Taylor. We pray, Lord, today for the girls, for Francis and Ruth, Joanne, Wendy, Jennifer and Roberta. And Lord, we pray that you'll draw very near to this family this morning. 
We pray also, Lord, for Clarence and Elizabeth today, that also mourn the loss of a loved one. Lord, we're also mindful of the additions to the fellowship, and we give you thanks and praise you, Lord, today for little Emily, Harvey, and Archie. And it thrills our hearts, Lord, to know that you've answered our prayers and brought these little ones safely into the world. And we pray for these children. We pray for every children, every child belonging to this fellowship, Lord, that you'll be with them uh, in whatever next year brings to us, that you'll put your loving arms around them, bless them, protect them, watch over them. We're mindful, Lord, of those in our fellowship that are sick today, that would be here if they could be here. Uh, we pray for Bertie today. We pray for Richard today. We pray for Trevor today, for Glenn, and for others uh, that would love to be here but can't be here. And we just pray for your loving arms around them, that you'll bless them and protect them. And we just want to say, Lord, again this morning, how much we love you and depend on you. And we just pray for your presence in our meeting this morning. And whoever ends up hearing this message today, we pray that you will speak to them and bless them and encourage them and challenge them. Because we know, Lord, that your word is a living word. And it's more up to, day, more up to date today than tomorrow's newspaper. And so, Lord, we just pray now that you'll bless the remaining moments of this meeting. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. The visit of the wise men to Jesus, it shows us that people in other parts of the world and not just in Israel were anticipating the arrival of this Messiah. It reminds us that Jesus came to rescue all people and not just the Jews. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and he gave himself a ransom for all. The final instructions to us in the closing verses of Matthew's gospel highlight the inclusivity of that mission very clearly when Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. After the wise men depart into their own country another way, Joseph takes Mary and Jesus into hiding in Egypt. And it is a good job that he did. Because when Herod realized the wise men had tricked him, he gave orders that every child in Bethlehem and in the surrounding area that were two years of age and under were to be slain. You know, it reminded me that you rarely get a political leader or ruler who is friendly towards the gospel or aligns himself with the cause of Christ. Even most of the kings of Israel and Judah were evil kings. This is why Paul said, not many mighty, not many noble are called. The fact is, there isn't many that can be called. The Lord had just come down from heaven. He had just appeared on the scene in Bethlehem. And almost immediately, this political leader, Herod, tries to destroy him. In 1966, after heavy rain, a colliery spoil tip slid down the mountainside into a Welsh mining village of Aberfan and Pantlas Junior School took a direct hit. 144 people were killed. 116 of them were children. The community of Aberfan were left inconsolable. 
The grief experienced by the parents and the grandparents here in Bethlehem must also have been unimaginable. An entire community of toddlers wiped out because of one evil king. Death reminds us all this morning not to be wasting our time. We should be very grateful for every second that we have in every day that we can spend uh, time with the ones that we love the most. Life is precious, but it is also extremely short. So don't waste your time on meaningless things next year. Love your children. Pray for your grandchildren. Spend as much time with them as you possibly can, training them up in the way that they should go so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. The reality is death is not the opposite of life. Death has always very much been a part of life. In the midst of life, there is always this thing called death. We cannot escape it, and it will not go away. Death will eventually take the body, but God will care for the Christian soul. For those who are left behind, our minds will hold the memories, our hearts will keep the love, but our faith gives us the assurance that we will see them again. The death of someone we love is like losing a limb, but for the Christian, we cannot really say that we have lost anyone when we know deep down where they are and that one day soon we will see them again. A day when God will wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying nor any more pain. Unless the Lord returns first, death will sneak up on every one of us. It is appointed unto man once to die. Therefore, the wise man will prepare for death, but the foolish man will not. The Lord was a man of sorrows, even as a toddler. Trouble was waiting for him as soon as he was placed in that little manger. And because of this, he is just the type of savior that the suffering and the sorrowful and the sinner must cling to. We draw near to him in the quiet place, we pour our heart out to him in prayer because he understands us and he sympathizes with us. When no one else cares, he cares. And if no one else understands, he fully understands. May he never ever be the last resort to any one of us, but always be the first port of call in the stormy seas of life because he has great experience of our affliction. He appreciates our pain he absorbs and he collects our tears. Herod died, and that reminds us that death will remove the kings of this world just like any other man. Men like Kim Jong-un of North Korea may have power over millions of people, but he has no power to extend his own life when the hour of his departure comes. Herod's death reminds us that the murderer of helpless infants must himself one day die, and then his judgment will come. The murderers of helpless unborn babies must also one day die, and then their judgment will also come. Death is a mighty leveler. It will remove our highest obstacle. It will eradicate our fiercest enemy. It will eliminate the thickest thorn in our flesh. As Christians, we should never be afraid of our adversaries. Instead, we should pity them. We should pray for them. They may be strong for a time and persecute us for a season. But Job reminds us that the triumphing of the wicked is short. Isaiah says, Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. Friend, if there are wicked people in your life, be encouraged to know that their time is short and that they will fall for thy sake. 
because you belong to God and God will take care of his own. Where are the pharaohs today? Where are the Sanhedrins today? Where are the Nero's today? Where's the Bloody Mary's today? Who did everything in their power to burn the truth in a fire and bury the truth in the ground? Well, the answer is they are dead in the ground today, rotting in the grave. But the truth that they sought to destroy rose from the grave and still lives on today. The Lord reigns forever. His enemies are only mortal men and the truth will always prevail. In spite of Herod's fanatical efforts to destroy the child Jesus, God would ensure his son would survive to save his people from their sins. We see this very clearly as he constantly guides this family during these difficult days. First of all, we notice here the method that was employed. You know, five times in chapters 1 and 2, God guides through dreams once to warn the wise men of Herod's plot against Jesus, and then on four separate occasions to speak to Joseph. He assured Joseph of Mary's purity in chapter 1 and the verse 20. And then in chapter 2, he warned Joseph to flee to Egypt in verse 13. He told Joseph to return to Israel in verses 19 and 20. He directed Joseph to Galilee in verse 22. Every time God's angels spoke to Joseph in a dream, it was clearly understood Go to Egypt, go to Israel, go to Galilee. Each instruction was clear. You see, God is not the author of confusion. And Joseph, without hesitation, always obeyed. But I wonder, does God speak to us through dreams and visions today? Well, I believe that Hebrews chapter 1 and the verses 1 and 2 has the answer. It tells us that God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son. So in the time, in, in the past, God spoke to the people through the prophets in different and in various ways, including dreams and visions. But in these final last days, according to the Word, he speaks to us through his Son, who is the Word. But what about the stories that we sometimes hear of people in Islamic countries having dreams and in the dreams Jesus tells them that he is the only way to the Father and they end up repenting and getting saved? Well, of course, we often and I often have dreams about people who I know or at least I've heard about. So could it be that these people are having dreams about a Savior that they've already heard about and information that they've already stored up in their minds? Romans 10 and 17 tells us, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, not dreams. God has ordained his means of conversion, you see. The Holy Spirit works with his holy inspired word of God when we rightly proclaim biblical truth. The Holy Spirit uses that to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. It is through the proclamation of the word of God that people get saved. This is the only verse that we have that talks about God's method of conversion so we can conclude on the authority of Scripture that there is no other means, including dreams. If God is still reaching people groups through dreams, then ask yourself how martyred missionaries like Jim Elliot might feel about that. Many have given their lives to go and make disciples when a dream would have been enough. Romans tells us, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? 
How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Missionaries spill their blood because they believe God's only ordained means of conversion was the preaching of the word of God. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius received a vision, and in the vision an angel told him to send for Peter so that he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Peter went. Peter preached the gospel, and Cornelius and his family were saved. Now, the vision didn't save him, but the preaching of the word did. So we must always be programmed and continually focus on the never-changing and never-failing word of God. It is only the word of God that is inerrant, infallible, and authoritative. From my own experience, God's word has always been sufficient for me. When God spoke to me and guided me in moments of crisis and provided I obeyed the word, just like Joseph, it always, always, always led to victory and a much better place. So my advice is, when we need the guidance of God, simply turn to the Word of God. Justin Peters said, if you want to hear the voice of God, read your Bible. If you want to hear the audible voice of God, read your Bible aloud. God was carefully and meticulously guiding Joseph in these dangerous and these difficult days, continually speaking to him in dreams. When the Israelites were in the wilderness, God guided them by day with a pillar of cloud, it acted as a compass and helped to protect them from the sun. He guided them at night with the pillar of fire, which also kept them warm in the desert breeze. But today God guides us and speaks to us by his completed word. What the pillar of cloud and fire was to the Israelites, what the dreams were to Joseph, the word of God is to us. The psalmist says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So, if we're not hearing from God, if we are getting no direction from God, the problem is we've closed the book of God. And by doing that, you have severed God's direct communication line with you. If you're backslidden, God hasn't left you. God would never leave you nor forsake you. The problem is you have closed God's guidebook and you've stopped listening to the Holy Spirit who is living inside of you. So there's the method here, but we also see the message that was communicated. The instruction in verse 20 to Joseph was for him to return with Mary and the child to the land of Israel. The one who had persecuted the Lord and had forced this family to flee and become asylum seekers in a strange land. He was now dead. His body was in the grave, his soul in hell. And this child he sought to kill would one day be his judge. Joseph did not delay even though it was likely winter time and the journey would be a long and a difficult one, Joseph was strong and courageous and immediately he obeyed. Did you notice here that at no time did he do that which was right in his own eyes? It would have been much easier to stay where he was. He could have built a little mud hut on the banks of the River Nile. He could have bought himself a boat and took up some fishing. But instead he, he kept trusting in God. He must have remembered the command of God in Joshua 1 verse 9, which says, Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. 
We don't know what another year is going to bring for us. But if we're going to walk in the Spirit, we're going to have to be strong and courageous, just like Joseph, because when God tells us to go here or don't go there, we're going to have to obey, or else we will suffer the consequences. It would be much easier to conform to the ways of the world. It would have been much easier on the stress levels to have kept our church closed during lockdown. But if it is important to keep the schools open so that they can prepare children for the next 50 years on earth, then how much more important is it to keep the churches open so that we can prepare people for the next 50 billion years in eternity? Sadly, a lot of the church has forgotten the very reason why she exists. Joseph, like his ancestors hundreds of years before, left Egypt because Egypt was not their home. There was a time, of course, Christian, when we were in Egypt, in the world, and then we came home. Christian, I wonder, do you remember the day that God called you out of Egypt? Wouldn't you have been a fool to have ignored the Lord's call when he said to you, come on to me? Has there ever been a day in your life that you've ever regretted leaving Egypt? Of course not. It was a place of bondage and banishment, a place of drink, drugs, debauchery, a horrible pit of filth. Yes, the journey has sometimes been long with difficulties and disagreements and perhaps even family disputes and you, as you've sought to take your stand and you've had your battles to fight in the promised land, but like Joseph, you have left Egypt and you've never regretted a single day. Friend, if you've never left Egypt, don't you think it's time that you did? Look at the changes that 2020 has brought to all of our lives right around the world. So many people living in fear, almost as if they're under a spell. What will 2021 have in store for us? Well, the fact is we don't know, but that is the point. Therefore, we need to be ready. We must be prepared to meet God. But you must get out of Egypt as fast as you can and run, run from the far country and come home to the Father's house. Like Joseph, you shouldn't have to think about it. You know what you have to do. So don't delay your decision. Time is short. Eternity is long. Repent of your sin. Trust in the Savior. Receive the rest that only the God of Israel can give you. There was the method, the message. We also see here the mayhem that they encountered. Joseph had a traumatic couple of years. Don't forget he had to deal with Mary's pregnancy. He had to deal with the news that the child was Emmanuel, God with us. Then there was a the journey to Bethlehem. Then there was the birth of the baby. We know how stressful it can be in a delivery suite full of midwives, but poor Joseph here, he had to do it all on his own in a stable. And after that, he had to find suitable permanent accommodation and employment in Bethlehem to support his family. Then there was the escape to Egypt. And now on his return, he discovers that Herod's son, Archelaus, was, who was even more cruel than his father, he's, he's now on the throne. In fact, he was so cruel that the Romans had to get rid of him only after a few years. You see, there will, there will always be a succession of enemies in this world to fight against Christ and his people. When one tyrant returns to the dust, another one more wicked than before will be ready to take his place. When one drops off, another one appears. 
For Joseph, the pressure, the stress, the worry, the fear he experienced must have been overwhelming at times. And yet, when things were going crazy all around him, God was always there. And Joseph was always hearing from God, focusing on him alone and obeying his every word. And you see, that is what got him through it all. Joseph knew how true Isaiah 41 and 13 is. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. And God certainly helped him every single step of the way. And because of the lessons Joseph had learned during these testing times, no doubt he was able to help others in similar situations in the future. You see, God always has a reason for testing times. There are Christians, even in this fellowship, and you too have had a traumatic year. Maybe just when you thought one crisis had ended, another one was ready to take its place. You see, in this world, there is no perfect everlasting enjoyment. The brightest day of joy will always be succeeded by a dark night of sorrow, and that's the way it is. A church building like this will be used to celebrate a marriage one week, and perhaps used to, sell or to conduct a funeral the next week. Tears of joy one week will be replaced by tears of sorrow the next week, sometimes by the same family. I think one of the worst atrocities in the Troubles must have been that of my own neighbor who was attending his sister's wedding and was shot by the IRA when he came out of the chapel. Three days later, the same family were back in the same building for the funeral. In fact, tears of joy and tears of sorrow in the very same day. This year, this fellowship, we have had to deal with an end times pestilence, the lockdowns, the fear of losing job, jobs, the isolation, the loneliness, the depression, the sickness. There has been births, yes, but there has also sadly been deaths. I think it was Ruth Graham, the wife of Billy Graham, who once said, in every single pew, there is a broken heart. Maybe this year you've asked yourself, where God is in all of this. Well, the truth is, he's always been there. God was with Joseph, and God was always with you, being a lamp onto your feet and being a light onto your path. Provided, of course, you opened the Word of God. Provided you didn't close the book. God always made himself known to Joseph when he needed him the most. In a dream, Joseph was told to fear not to take Mary as his wife. In a dream, Joseph was told to flee to Egypt. In a dream, Joseph was told to return to Israel. And now in verse 22, he was told to continue on into Galilee. You see, God was protecting his son, Jesus. In fact, God will not allow any of his children to be thrust into danger. Yes, the devil, his demons, and the herods of this world will always be seeking your destruction the devil's servants, the false prophets, the fake preachers, by their words and their actions, will seek to thrust poor blinded sinners into hell. Many events and parades and festivals were cancelled in 2020. And uh, I suppose one good thing about 2020 was the fact that the sickening sight of naked parading sodomites was kept off our streets. One of their main advocates, of course, in this part of the world is the Church of Ireland, Rector in Coal Island, the Reverend Andrew Rodding. When we examine Mr. Rodding against the clear light of Scripture, we discover that that man is a false teacher and a wolf in sheep's clothing. 
young people who are caught up in the curse of sodomy are being ushered into a lost eternity by that man's words and actions. Rotting is like the BBC he presents to us fake news. He is someone who knows the truth, but sadly for young people he chooses to keep the truth hidden from them. You see, he knows the Bible says that no homosexual will inherit the kingdom of God, and yet he walks in their parades, he flies their flags, and he sits and holds office in their committee. And so he supports them and he wishes them well in their sin. So rotting is a deceiver, just like his father the devil. We need to pray that either God will remove him or save him because young people are finding justification for their sin because of him. God's word, you see, has not changed. Sodomy is an abomination. The wages of that sin and every other sin is death. The soul that sinneth it shall die. But praise God this morning, there is mercy and there is forgiveness at the cross for everyone. Sinners may not like the truth. They may not want to hear the truth. But unlike the Reverend Rodding, I love them enough to tell them the truth. You see, Rodding is not their friend. Rodding is their enemy. And if we like men like Rodding go unchallenged, he will lead, he will guide our young people straight into the lake of fire. God was always with Joseph. And God is always with us, even in the toughest of times. But you know, sometimes we need the tough times to refocus on God and to keep us going in the direction that God is guiding. I wonder where Israel would have been if not for the Egyptian chariots that were thundering towards them. Would they ever have crossed the Red Sea and eventually have arrived in the Promised Land? Maybe not. You see, we need the tough times, like it or not. But friend, God will be with us, guiding us even through the tough times. How do we cope in difficult times? Well, we cope just like Joseph. Keep looking to God, keep trusting, keep listening, and keep obeying. As Christians, we have something to focus on, something not part of this ever-changing world, something that when everything on earth is going crazy and makes absolutely no sense, that one thing, that one thing that never changes, it always stays the same. In this depraved and despicable and crazy world, only God is outside of time can offer the stability, the support, and the reassurance that we need. Friend, never take your eyes off him. No matter what 2021 throws in your face, don't you ever, ever take your eyes off Christ. Even if all hell breaks loose, and it could, don't you ever take your eyes off the Lord. That support came to Joseph. When he was afraid to proceed any further, God guided him onto his next move. The proverb says, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Is there someone here this morning and you're afraid of what is before you in 2021? Friend, keep trusting in the Lord. He will not let you down. He will continually direct your paths. The purpose of Jesus coming to earth is to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So brothers and sisters, he has always been with you in 2020. And the fact is, he always will be. Always. The method, the message, the mayhem, finally here, the mission that was completed. 
Coming into Israel from Egypt, the family would have arrived first in Judea, which was in the south of the country, Samaria being in the middle of the country, and Galilee to the north. Verse 23 tells us they came and they dwelt in a place called Nazareth. It was a small, isolated and obscure Galilean town never ever mentioned in the Old Testament. On finding out that Archelaus was on his father's throne, Mary and Joseph would have stopped, they would have prayed, and they would have waited for God's guidance. You see, Isaiah 64 verse 4 tells us this, For since the beginning of the world men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Friend, the problem with many Christians is they never wait upon the Lord. Yes, we do stop and we do pray and we do read, but we never wait for him. We rarely take the time to allow God to speak to us like he did here with Joseph. And the result is we miss out on God's very best. The instruction to Joseph in the dream was to go to Galilee. Joseph could have settled in the Galilean towns of Tiberias or Capernaum on the edge of the Sea of Galilee with lovely views across the sea, much more important places with better reputations. But he chose to return to his hometown and to live in Nazareth. They could have been well known there and among their relatives and family and friends. It's always good to be in a place where you are loved and welcomed and cared for and prayed for, a place where you can seriously call home. In 2021, we all need to be more loving and caring and compassionate and a welcoming people. You know, it's sad that some of the dens of iniquity, uh, the bookie shops and the pubs and the bars in this province are more welcoming and friendly than a lot of places that preach the gospel today. Jesus said, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. And sadly, the world does love its own more than the church loves its own. Should the church not love our brothers and sisters more than the world loves itself? You know, it's often been said that Northern Ireland is a very friendly place for visitors. It's just that we're not very friendly towards each other. We'll never let that be said about this fellowship next year. Jesus grew up with his relatives. He was known as Jesus of Nazareth. He was called a Nazarene. And yet Nazareth was a place with a bad reputation where Nathaniel would later say, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? To be called a Nazarene was to be called a despicable man, a man from whom no good was to be expected and to whom no respect was to be paid. And yet it was from this town that Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, would emerge 30 years later to change the world. Joseph's mission was completed when after obeying every direction and guidance from the Lord, he settled in Nazareth where Jesus would grow up and fulfill that which was spoken by the prophets. And one of those prophecies was likely Isaiah 53 and 3. He was despised and he was rejected of men. A Nazarene indeed. Never, ever make the mistake of writing someone off just because they come from an area with a bad reputation. Jesus came from an area with a bad, bad reputation, and look what he did for you and for me. 
His blood has cleansed us from all our sin. Joseph was just content to be home in humble Nazareth, and yet many Christians today are far too keen to seek out great things in this world for themselves. But Jeremiah tells us this. He tells us to seek them not. Seek them not. Surrounding yourself with the things of this world is not what is important. It is a great sin to be wanting more and more of what you have enough of already. That is covetousness. But it is no sin at all to be poor and to be humble. It shouldn't matter how much we earn, how big our house is, or what car we drive, or like Joseph, where we end up living so long as we are right with God and in the will of God. Walking with God will not necessarily mean that he will guide you towards riches. I mean, look at Mary and Joseph. They lived with God, but they were never rich. So much for the prosperity gospel. What really matters in this life is that we have secured eternal life and that we have built up treasure in heaven. What really matters is where we are going when we die. Will it be in heaven or will it be in hell? These are the important matters of life. You know, 2021 marks the centenary of the formation of our province of Northern Ireland. But you know, folks, Northern Ireland will come and will go just like all the rest because nothing stays the same for very long in this world. The Assyrian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, the Roman Empire, the Ottoman Empire, even the British Empire, but where are they today? Hitler's Third Reich was to last a thousand years. It lasted 12 years. So, friend, make sure you are a citizen of the kingdom that has no end. Make sure you're trusting in the king of that kingdom, the Lord Jesus Christ. Make sure you have repented of your sin. Make sure you're using the word of God as your guidebook next year and allow God's spirit to guide you into all the truth.